thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. I want to start today's message by asking you a question. I want to ask everybody this question. What comes to mind when you hear this word? Are you ready? This word. What comes to mind when you hear the word generosity? There's probably a time when you're on the receiving end of somebody's generosity. You probably have maybe even have a picture in your mind of what generosity looked like. You probably have seen it and felt it and that story that goes along with what you've encountered. Well, what, do you, what, do you, what are you picturing right now? What, what is synonymous with generosity in your mind? Is it, is it unselfishness, philanthropic? Is it big hearted? Is it bounty? Is it liberal? Is it giver? But what is it in your mind's eye that when you hear that term? There's a story that was told of Alexander the Great and he was on one of his many conquests and they'd just overtaken a city. He was on his horse and he was surrounded by those that serve him. And, and as he was making his way into the city that they had just captured, there was a beggar man that was there. He was elderly, he was poor, he was in a destitute way. Now that beggar man had absolutely zero, I mean, privilege to be able to stick out his hand and to ask anything from the emperor. But as the emperor went by, he begged nonetheless. And as he began to beg, the emperor reached into his pocket and pulled out several gold coins and tossed them towards the beggar. Well, the people that were surrounding him said, Emperor, sir, a few copper coins would have been more than necessary to meet his needs. That would seem very extravagant to, to give him gold coins instead. To this, Alexander responded, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Now, I want you to not miss this point because what that story is telling us, and now it's in your notes, I hope you're following along in the app and you're online and you've downloaded that, but generosity says more about you than it does the recipient. See, generosity says more about you, the giver, than the actual recipient receiving your gift. And if we're gonna focus in on generosity, there's, I've always said there is a built-in reward for doing good. But I think there's more than just a good feeling going on because God himself showed us what generosity actually looked like. He modeled it for us. He saw that we had a need and he generally, generously gave us his one and only son. His generosity flowed out of his love for us. God is a generous giver. In fact, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. It tells us that, that we have been given the very life that we have, that every blessing that we have in our life, that everything that we possess has been given to us out of the hand of our loving Father. How many know that we have a generous God who loves us, amen? And scripture tells us that everything that you and I do, we're to do it out of love. But it also tells us that God is love. And so what is it saying is, is that when we operate in love and we do things out of love, that we're putting on or we're modeling Christ or God to other people. And love requires giving. I've said it this way before, that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Hmm? God so loved the world that he gave. When you love, you give. When you love, you give. Now you can give without loving. 
And it's a dead gift. And we'll look at that in the next couple of weeks. But if you love, then you're going to give. And giving in love is generosity. Giving in love is generosity. There's something about our giving that is attached to our godliness to other people. I've found that I am most like God, I'm most like Christ when I am giving. So listen, in this new series we start today, we're gonna focus on generosity. And I wanna start with a passage that is often misquoted and misunderstood. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And we're gonna look at it in the New King James Version. It says, so let each one give as he has purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So let each one give as he purposes. Now let's break this down. Let's look at this first one, each one. Everyone, Paul's saying in the Corinthian church, everyone who is a Christian, there's not much wiggle room there, is there? I mean, if you're in the church that day and they're getting up and they're reading this epistle, this letter, this love letter from Paul to you, and it says, each one, Every one of you, in other words. So every one of you that calls this your church home, every one of you that is a believer, in other words, that means every single one of us, God is talking to all of us. Can we disagree to that this morning, that God's talking to every single person that's a Christian today? Can we say yes to that? Amen, all right? So each one of us, now let's go on to the next one. So each one of us gives as he purposes in his heart. As you give generously, this passage is saying you've got to do it as you purpose in your own heart. Now the term purpose means this, to choose, to prefer, or to purpose beforehand. He's saying that if you're going to give, just choose to do that beforehand from your heart. Just go ahead and make that decision beforehand from your heart. In fact, whenever I've asked you to give a large gift or give towards a big campaign, in this church, I've always given you the opportunity to pray about it first. You know why? Because I believe it's God's responsibility to speak to your heart, your responsibility to hear from God and give what God tells you to give. Because God's not asking every one of us to give a certain amount or the equal amount. He's asking us to give what we purpose from our heart. And I believe that God can speak to us about our giving. If God tells you to give a dollar, don't give $100,000. Although if you make that mistake, I will love it and I'll receive it, amen. But listen, if he tells you to give 100,000, don't give a dollar. Because see, we want it as we purpose in our own heart. See, this passage evokes the heart because he wants us to take note of the motive behind our giving. What's the motive behind our being generous? Our generosity comes from the heart because our motive has to come from a motive that pleases God. See, as a Christian, our heart should belong to God. And so we're God, here's my heart. Here's my motive in this matter. You judge all things. You run to and fro the earth looking to his heart who's made perfect towards you. I'm surrendering and I'm giving you my heart in all matters. And I want to be able to be generous, God, with my life. It might be a good time to say this. This is not just about giving of money. Come on. See, I found that people are funny about money. That's why it's so quiet today. But we're talking about your time, your talent, your testimony, and your treasury. The word to be generous with our time, our talent, our testimony, our treasury. And when we give our heart to God at the very beginning, we ask him to forgive us our sin, we're turning our heart towards God. We're saying, God, you have my heart. 
and I want my motives to be pure. I want my motives to be honoring of you. I want my, my motives to bring glory to you and to your kingdom. So you have my heart. I'm evoking my heart in my giving as I purpose in my heart. Generosity in this light, light sounds an awful lot like prayer. You remember what James chapter four and verse three says? Look at this real quick. It says, when you ask, you don't receive. Well, why don't we receive? Because I thought every time we ask in his name, we receive. And I thought every time we pray, God hears. And I thought God already knows our need before we ask. I thought we had a divine invitation to boldly approach the throne of grace and find help in our time in me. So you mean there's an actual prayer that we pray that doesn't get answered? Yeah, that's what James says. Well, what could be the one thing to keep us from receiving from God? Well, when you ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong Say it, the wrong motives. So God's really concerned about what's in our heart, isn't he? If we have the wrong motives and our prayers aren't being answered, it's a lot like our giving. If we're giving with the wrong motives, then we're not gonna receive anything from that either. In other words, if we're watching some television show or we're here at church and you just feel compelled to give because there's a, there's a need and you just give out of the wrong motive, like, well, if I give and I'm sowing, then I'm gonna reap and I'm gonna receive this in my life. Well, maybe that's not the right motive to give. And maybe that law of the harvest doesn't kick in and it doesn't happen for you because we're not giving with the right motives and so we're negating our giving. And I think this, is, this needs to be taught because there's so much that has happened in the prosperity doctrine that has gone wrong for so many years that if you just give, that it's the law of the harvest, it's a universal law, that it can't be. If you give, it'll come back to you. And look, I believe that, but I also believe there's more to it, that if we give with the right motive, with the right intention, with the right heart, that God can bless that gift and God can reward the giver. But it's not necessarily so if we don't have the right, say it out loud, the right, the right motive. And that's why this verse goes on to say, we have to have the right, the right motive. We have to give what we purpose from our heart. Look at the next one in this second Corinthians passage. It says, each of you to give what he purposes in his heart, not what? Grudgingly. Now this suggests that the person might have been compelled into giving, meaning they're grudgingly going, okay. Right, like I'm gonna, I'll give. And their heart really wasn't in it. We just talked about that. But this term also carries the suggestion in the Greek that maybe they were giving out of sorrow or deep distress or out of a feeling of loss. Like I'm losing something in my giving. I take out my wallet and I'm, I'm, man, I'm losing out. I'm not gonna be able to do this because I'm giving here. God says, don't do that. I mean, unless God's in it, don't do that because then you've not purposed it in your heart. You're not giving it the right motives. In fact, you're giving grudgingly, which is exactly against what this passage is telling us to do. Don't give out of that. And it says, don't give out of grudgingly or look at the next one, or of necessity. Of necessity, the idea here is that you're feeling obligated to give because of urgency or a need that is present before you. It's the, I kind of have to give. Anybody ever felt that way? I have. I've kind of been in church services where I remember my very first uh, position was a volunteer position when I was in seminary and we were volunteering the church and it had a great rich heritage, but it had, it seemed better days. It was really struggling. And I remember on the last Sunday of the month, if they couldn't make the mortgage payment, the pastor would come up and 
you know, he'd get an offering slip and they would tell him, man, we're, we're $3,000 short for making our mortgage, so we're gonna sing one more song and pass the hat again. He'd pass the hat and they'd count it. Well, we'd sing another song and they'd come back and said, well, we just need $750 more to make the mortgage payment tomorrow. And I'm like, man, I'm giving out of necessity. But I'm not saying my heart was in it. I mean, I, I wasn't like, yes, let's keep the church going. I was like, wow, I guess we have to give. I'm a college student. I don't have any money. I don't know how I'm gonna make my rent, but... I don't want the church to shut down either, so let me, let me put something in the offering here. It's only three bucks, but I guess if everybody puts in three bucks, maybe we'll get to 750 and we'll be able to move on. Paul's saying that's no way to give. He said that's not purposed in your heart. That's not how God wants you to give. I see if you're a guest here this morning, I think this is important for you because we're just not... A, we're not a pure, it's not a money church. We, we believe that worship is, we believe that giving is a part of worship, but we also believe that worship's a lifestyle that happens more than just through giving and more than just through raising of hands and singing a song. That's what we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week and how our lives reflect who the image and character of God is because God is a giver, because God is generous and he wants us to be generous. But he's, I'm not asking you to give if you don't purpose it in your heart. I'm not asking you to give grudgingly. In fact, I'm not even asking you to give out of necessity. I don't come up here and say, we have all these needs. I trust God to meet our needs. I mean, you know, if God's not big enough to meet our needs, then I can't get it through you, amen, right? So this is, this is what Paul's saying. He said, don't give grudgingly or out of necessity. But how are we to give? What's the next part say? For God, what? We often quote this part. You already know this. God, what? <clears throat> A cheerful giver. Right? I did that pretty well. That's scary, actually. Maybe it's all the years in the gym playing basketball. I don't know. People online are making fun of me right now. I can see the comments below are like, Pastor, stop. Don't do that anymore. This is, not non, this is a non-reluctant giving. The word cheerful here is the, is, the only, this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. So Paul is taking this very special word that he's not used in any other place. He goes, I wanna prove a point. I wanna make a point here. I want you to understand what real giving looks like, what non-reluctant, non-purposeful, non-grudging, not giving out of necessity, giving generosity. I want you to understand what it looks like. It looks like joy. You see the word that he uses here, that term cheerful in the Greek is where we get the word hilarious. When's the last time you were here and said, hey, we're going to take up our tithe and offering our gift submission. You took it. You went, yes, that's awesome. I get to give. Hilarious giving, joyful giving, cheerful giving. I mean, that, that's what he wants. He said, if you've purposed, here's what, here's what he's saying. If you've purposed in your heart beforehand, and you're not giving out of grudgingly or you're not giving out of compulsion. In other words, you're not being compelled to give. And you're not, but you're giving because you've made a choice and God has spoken your heart and, and you have the joy of the Lord in you and you know that God's generous and you wanna be generous and, and you come and this is what I'm prepared to give. And it may be a small amount, it may be a big amount, it may be of your time or your talent, whatever it is, but you're coming and you're saying, this is what I'm giving. There's joy in giving. He's saying there's joy in giving. Giving with the right motive, in other words, is just fun. It's fun. Can we have fun in church? Yeah. We can have hilarious fun in church. Ushers come forward, take up tithe and offering again. We're gonna have fun here. Just kidding. See, we cannot give joyfully 
If we can't give joyfully, then we must open our hearts to the Lord. We have to ask God to grant us his grace. Listen to what I'm saying. Certainly God can bless a gift that is given out of a sense of duty. But God cannot bless the giver unless the heart is right. That's what Paul's simply trying to say. He said, I can bless any gift that's given to the kingdom and I can multiply. But he said, I can't bless you unless your heart is right. Unless you're right. Unless you're giving for the right reasons, for the right motives. And so I just wanna give you a few things in your notes now to wrap this up. And it's kind of an introductory lesson as we get ready to build on it for the rest of the month here. But generosity gives you this. It gives you something for others. Isn't that what Paul's saying? If you look through that whole chapter, chapter nine, what he's really saying is this, is that when you, generosity gives something for others. He says, I'm taking up an offering for all the churches in Asia Minor, and I know that many of them are poor, and I know that they're on a, in a really bad place, and, but I want you to help me and help the ministry and help these other churches. He said, you're helping a lot of other people. By the way, I want you to know that we take every dollar serious here at Faith Chapel and that when you give, that we make sure that we're giving it towards the mission of our church and that we're giving it to help other people, our missionaries around the world, local people right here in San Diego and people right here in our backyard with benevolence, that we're giving it to help other people. And secondly, he says this, generosity does this. Generosity gives something for, other, for, your, for ourselves. That when we give with the right motive, when we give with the right reasons, when we give with the right heart, then he goes on to say, it's right before verse nine and then verses seven and eight. He said, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He said, when you sow, then you're going to reap something. When you put something in the ground, there's going to be a harvest. That there's something that will come back to you. That God is a God who supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That there's a God that is walking through this life with you. He knows everything you need, even before you ask. There is a God who cares for you and loves you and will graciously give you good things in all things. And he said, generosity, number three is this. Generosity gives, survey says, something for God. What do you mean, pastor? What are you, what are you talking about? <clears throat> something for God. Yeah, when you give, you're building God's kingdom. And he's getting resources through you. I've always said it this way, that if God can get it, if he knows he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. He'll get it to you if he knows he can get it through you. Your life is to be a conduit of blessing, a river, not a reservoir. And so when we, when we receive from God, our first question ought to be, God, how do you want to funnel that through my life so that I can make a difference in your kingdom? Generosity, generous giving, back to your notes, makes you rich and not the way that you think. It makes you rich in love. See, when you give with the right motive, it's just you're giving. Remember, generosity is love in action. It's giving out of love. We're representing God and we're giving our time, our talent, our testimony, our treasure. We're giving it out of love and we're growing and becoming rich in love. And when you sow in love, how many know you reap in love? Because whatsoever a man sows. So you sow in love, what happens? Love is multiplied back to you. If you're sitting here and you say, man, I could sure use a dose of love, then be loving to people around you. Show a smile, give them a hug or a handshake or a high five. Write a note to somebody, be an encourager to somebody because when you are generous with your time, your talent, your testimony and your treasury, then love, you'll be rich in love. 
Generosity makes you rich. Number two, in friends. When you're generous in all the areas that we just talked about, how many of you know that you're gonna, you're gonna have friendship? You're gonna have people in your life. You're gonna be the one that people go, man, you can count on them. You can count on Brian, you can count on Sue, you can count on Bob, you can count on, because they're there, they're always there when I need them, I, they're just there. And thirdly, generous giving makes you rich in help. What do you mean by that? You remember that song? I get by with a little help from my friends. Is there anybody in here that you have never needed the help of another individual ever in any way? Hmm, not a single hand. And I bet it's the way it is with you online as well. We, we need this community of believers to grieve with us when we grieve and to mourn when we're mourning and celebrate when we celebrate. We, we just need one another. And there's going to come a moment in your life where you're gonna be in need and you're gonna need some help because we all do. We've already testified about that in this room. And so that's why the Bible says when you receive grace in your time of need, you extend that grace to somebody else in their time of need because you've already gone through it. You can empathize and you can understand them better than anyone else. And so when you're, when you're in help, but because you've been sowing the seed and you've been helping and you've been generous, guess what happens? People come alongside you and say, how can we help you? What can we do for you? What do you need? I've been praying for you. I care for you. And then lastly, number four, generous giving makes you rich towards God. Well, how's that work? Well, you remember I said that Generosity, I feel like I'm closest to God when I'm generous, when I'm giving. Because God is love. God is generous. God gives. He, for, he so loved the world that he, that he gave. So when I, when I began to take on this, this demeanor in my life, this characteristic, this attribute of being generous, that I'm really inviting God to take over my life because he's becoming more of who I am because I'm becoming more like he is. And that's a win-win for everyone. You know, I said that generosity says more about you than it does the recipient. God has been generous to you. How many know that every breath that you have is from God? That the life that you have is from God, that your gifts and your talents and your abilities you might say, hey, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. The ability that you had to create well, Deuteronomy 28 says God gave you that ability to generate well. You thought you were doing it in your own strength, your own wisdom, or your own grace, but no, it was given to you by God. That everything that we have has been given to us by God. You know, if that is true, that generosity says more about you than it does the recipient, then what does it say about God who graciously gave us all things? What's it say about a God who loves you so much that he wanted to open the door to heaven for you by giving his one and only son to lavish upon you his love and to lavish upon you his great grace, to lavish upon you the hope that does not disappoint, to lavish on you life, life more abundantly while we're here on this earth so we could experience the eternal life in heaven. Man, that's a God that's worth serving, isn't it? That's a, worth, that's a God worth turning our heart towards and say, Lord, I want you to have my heart. I want you to manifest 
your life inside of me so other people could see you and me. And I think that's the heart of generosity. Next week, we're going to talk about mammon and so many people get that wrong and how generosity really is linked back to a spiritual problem. But this morning, right now, as I bring this to a close, I'm just asking you if you're here, if you say, Pastor, I want to turn my heart. It's not a question of salvation. I just want to turn my heart more towards God so that I can be as generous as God is with me. I want to be that way with others. Does anybody else will say yes to that? I'm going to turn my heart towards God and I'm going to be as generous to others as God has been to me. Anybody else want to say that prayer? Would you bow your heads with me, Father, in the name of Jesus? As we start this series today and as we look at generosity, Lord, and I, as I've been studying it to, to map out this entire month, I am amazed at how much we are absolutely, unequivocally dependent upon you for our very existence. We take that so for granted. You have been incredibly generous to us, your people. You've been incredibly generous even to those that that don't even recognize you for you said the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. Lord, you just, your, your, your nature is to be generous, to bless. Lord, help us in this moment right now to just, as we start this month, to turn our hearts more towards you, that our heart could be a reflection of who you are, that we could be generous in our time, our talent, our testimony, yes, even our treasury. We wanna live a life of honor. A life that honors you. A life that's a reflection, a true reflection of who you are. And you are generous. So God, help your people to be generous. Put us on full display, I pray. And as you're praying this morning and as you're praying your own simple prayer for that, right where you are, maybe at home, if you're here this morning and you haven't received God's generous gift of eternal life, for that's where it all begins, that's where it all starts. If you're in this room or you're watching online and you say, I need to make that first step of faith, and that's what it is, it's a step of faith. It's stepping out and recognizing that I need a savior, that my life is maybe messed up or maybe I just recognize that I'm sinful, that I'm not perfect, I don't hold up to God's standard. In fact, the Bible says no one can measure up to God's standard because it's perfection. That's the whole reason he gave his one and only son because Jesus is the difference maker and he's the difference maker in your life and in mine but it all begins with that simple step of faith saying yes, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Come into my life. Forgive me, Lord. And if you're willing to make that, that choice, that decision, you're ready to make that prayer this morning, whether you're in this room, you're online, I want you to say this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. Because the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm helping you right now. Call upon God. So would you say this? And we mean it from the bottom of your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me and forgiving me. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com 
or any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. See you real soon.